0: Today, we'll be studying the Hakdama, of Rabbi Avraham Mitzchak Cook. Kuk, in his book En Aya. While you look that up, I attached it to the Google Classroom a few weeks ago. It's going to say, Introductions, Rabbi Avraham Mitzchak Kohen Kuk. It's a long introduction, which we'll not do all of. But something interesting happened when we transitioned over to moving the entire Bidim Midash online. And hopefully that will end soon. And that is how I censor the things that I say so they will be shavim the nafesh. That they'll be fitting to everyone. Those of you who are watching us live, I know who you are. I know what I can share with you. But when words are recorded, the question is where they go and when they will come back. You'll cast your bread on the waters. You never know. There they said it in a positive way. It's an investment. But sometimes, sometimes you throw your bread and you get it back in the time that you get it back on Pesach. You did not need bread on Pesach. As I mentioned before, the Abed is fluid. Ideas change. Attitudes towards people change. Towards characters change the focus on different Chachamim changes, and those of you who've been with us since the beginning, you know that, you've seen that, you felt that process happen. Haravkuk, and when I say Haravkuk, I mean the father, the son, Rabi Tzvil, is a different personality, it's a different Chacham, with a different uh, approach. Yes, that of his father, based on that of his father, but I don't see them as synonymous, and when I say Haravkuk, for all intents and purposes, I, unless I qualify the son, I'm referring to the Father. Harav Kuk is one of those Chachamim which I've called before, I even wrote in the introduction to my book that Harav Peretz told me that Harav Kuk is one of the most underappreciated Chachamim of his generation. In his generation, people didn't understand his greatness. The few that did, didn't. The majority who did not didn't. And then there was that group of people who hated him and persecuted him till the ends of the earth. when I had a yeshiva in of a small group of Talmidim we learned together at Torah, we gave a gift to it's a small book of hidden thoughts, diaries almost, of Rav Kuh called Chadarav, the inner chambers, things he wrote about himself, raw, vulnerable, emotional pieces he wrote about himself, about his struggles, about his, his emotions, about sad things, about happy things, about his desires, about his failures, we brought this book to our Peretz as a gift. The next day when I saw him, he said, Rabbi Yonatan, you stole my sleep. The whole night I stayed up reading the whole book. He said, unbelievable nefesh, an unbelievable neshama, an unbelievable soul." So we started talking about other writings of Rav Kook and our Peretz looked at me and said, Rabbi Yonatan, this is my limit. In areas of halakha, I've studied Rav Kook extensively. But an areas of philosophy, of uh, poetry, of research, of, uh, of other areas, and the Kabbalah, whatever. I don't dabble in that side. And I think that when you quote Rav Kook, you always cause emotions to be stirred up. And I put Rav Kook into the category of those who are dangerous to quote. I'll qualify what I'm saying, I'll explain. Those who are dangerous to quote Because not everybody was in my Shi'ur two days ago. In which we discussed the ability of Chachmei Sfarad to quote people, give them respect, to appreciate them, even if we don't jump on the whole bandwagon. And that piece is always missing in the puzzle. In my opinion, my opinion, doesn't have to be your opinion, it's part of a much larger problem in the Western world of lack of nuance, lack of sophistication. The inability to... to, look at people not black and white not good and bad entirely Rambam tells us Hadam nidon ma'asav, even when you're talking Shalom about evil people the way you determine who is truly evil and who is just a good person who does a lot of evil is based on how much good and how much evil they do everybody makes mistakes And there's nobody on earth who does good and does not sin the question is how much not just how much, but qualitatively. What kind of chata'im? Now When I talk chatein, I'm not chazusha, I'm talking about Rav Kook at all. But Judaism has the ability to teach us, David HaMelech, with his greatness and with his flaws, Moshe Rabbeinu Alev Shalom, with his... Every one of our tzaddikim in our history, we're able to say, look, this is what we took, and this is what we didn't learn from. Where we learned from them what not to do. That's okay. We pride ourselves of being a religion like that. There are certain chachamim that polarize people. And what happens is the enemies of those chachamim, when you quote the given chacham, they automatically lump you into the category of his followers and they persecute you because you quoted that person. It's true. It doesn't make it difference that it's true. You took it from the wrong source. This goes against what the Rambam tells us that we must accept the truth from wherever it comes. And then you have the other side, the camp of the Hasidim. By Hasidim, I'm not referring to a a European movement with fuzzy hats. The, The diehards, the fans of this Chacham, the students of this Chacham, the camp surrounding this Chacham, that when they see you, quote, their rabbi with respect, they automatically consider you to be one of them. And because of that, they lump you, they expect from you things. Well, if you quoted our rabbi, then you must agree with X, Y, and Z, and answers. You don't. You don't. There once was a time here in the Beda Knesset, and I'm saying something that's not politically correct, where a number of people were having what I call chasidut withdrawal symptoms. They were feeling this this, uh, withdrawal of Torah to chasidut. And as I'm used to in the past, we once had such a phenomenon in our community with Kabbalah. And I reached out to our what I do, and then our said, okay, listen, you can study this, teach this, the Zohar here, that, and give people what they need, but on your terms. Keep it within the context of, of what you believe is true. And when it came to Hasidut, we discussed about teaching the Tanya. The Tanya is a phenomenal work. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a fascinating work in the Hasidic thought. And Rappel said, "Rabbi Yonatan, I trust you to teach Tanya, but I don't think it's a good idea." I was a little bit taken aback because other things we're pretty open-minded about. I said, "Rappel, what's the problem?" He said, "There are certain teachings of certain movements." that built into their Torah is a programming that programming is that we are the only correct way to Judaism and the whole ideology behind that Torah is we're the only way this is the only approach that the HaKadosh Baruch Hu. you I trust to be able to teach that this is a way but not the way he said, but I worry about the Talmidim I worry that the students will pick up on this message and they won't stay within your framework. And ultimately they'll be misled. It was a very sobering moment between uh, myself and my teacher. Because it shows that there is a limit. A limit to where we can be open-minded. And Bauch Hashem, you've heard me quote from many Hasidic sources, the Tanya included. When it comes to of Kook, we must understand two things. That our Chachamim truly appreciated Rav the vast majority of them. By the way, even those who are not Zionists at all, we have such a, a strange phenomenon in the Sephardic community. I believe it was Reb Yehudat I believe about him. Don't hold me to it. I heard this story for Chacham of Wadiya Yosef. Chacham of Yosef said that it was Simcha Torah in Poat Yosef. It was in the old city of Jerusalem. And Chacham Yudat Tzadka, who if I'm not mistaken at the time, was somehow affiliated with the Neturei Karta in Jerusalem at the time, the anti-Zionist movement. This is before the founding of the State of Israel. Yudat Tzadka said, come with me, come, we have to go somewhere for Simchat Torah. Walk with me. And they walk, and those of you who know Jerusalem, you know the walk, from the old city of Jerusalem all the way until Kiryat Moshe, where is uh, Rav Kook's shiva. That's how he told me the story. I'm not sure about the historical accuracy. Maybe the yeshiva was closer to Rav Kuk's home on Ruch Yafu. I'm not sure. They came into the yeshiva and here is this anti-Zionist Sephardic Chacham looking at Rav dancing on Simchat Torah. And he turns to Chacham Yisraeli, and said, You see him? Adonai Tsevaot Mamash This is literally an angel of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Literally An angel. And he turned around and walked back home. Our chachamim were able to straddle worlds like that. Because that's the way in which they were raised. It's the way in which they were educated. A conscious choice to be able to look at different chachamim and to take from them what we agree with and reject that which we don't. Our chachamim had many disagreements with Rav Kook, Not just in Halakha. You're familiar with the famous arguments of Rav Kook and Rav Uziel. About abortion, uh, not abortion. About uh, um, autopsies. About women's rights. About voting. About women holding government office, which I love Uziel was a fan of. Rav Kook was not. About conversion to Judaism. Of Uziel's understanding that we should try to encourage people who are from intermarried families to convert to Judaism. Rav Kook's opposition to that. <clears throat> but our chachamim also differed in their attitude towards the state of Israel towards the Zionist movement, towards the ability to sanctify things which don't seem so holy. And I'm not here tonight to speak about our chachamim and their nuanced approach to these topics, but just to say that in our Beda Midrash, we are honored to study from the Torah of Rav Kuk. But nobody should walk away from this table thinking that it's a blind following. Rather, it's an ability to study a Tamil Chacham who literally lit up the world, the eyes of the Chachamim in Torah Mitzvah. And that leads me to the introduction. En Ayah. Rav Kook many of his books are called Ayah, Re'ayah. Alif Yud Hay stands for uh, Abraham Yitzchak Hakohen. That's his acronym of his name. <coughs> so if it's En Yaakov, he wrote a commentary on En Yaakov called En Aya Let's go to his introduction. I hope you found the PDF by now. In this hakdamah, the introduction, on top it just say Yud Gimel, in little letters, that's the beginning. Haravku goes into a whole conversation about the difference between perush and bi'ur, which maybe could be translated, maybe, as commentary and elucidation, or elaboration and elucidation. I, I didn't come for this piece of Haravku. I want to skip a few pages in. So... Not on the first page of the introduction, not on Yudalit, not on the second page, not on Tidvab, not on the third page, not on the fourth. But on the fifth page where it says Yud Zayin on the top. Yud Zayin on the top. <coughs> and this is a continuation of last week's writings on Agada of, of Uziel. The roots of the Agadot of our Rabbis. They are part of the ethical part of the Torah. I'm going to translate Musar in many different words, but let's use Musar. Whenever you hear that word, however I translate it into English it will not be consistent, but Musar is a consistent term. It includes in it all of the beliefs, the, the opinions, the proper Emunot and Deot that Jews should have, the <coughs> Musagim, and all spiritual ideas are contained in Agadah. This type of learning needed strengthening in every generation we always needed to strengthen the study of Agadah more than the study of what he calls practical Torah, or let's call it Halakha. Because ultimately we're going to pit these two against each other. There's Halakha, which is a clear code, a way in which we rule, and there's Agadah, which is much more fluid. (coughs) And all of the greats of our, our generations, always awoke in the hearts of those who study Torah, lev to pay attention, to the spiritual part of the Torah, to the wisdom of Musar, the beliefs in Hashem, remember this term that we discussed previously, the obligation of the heart, this is different than the obligation which you have in actions, on Tzitzit, on Tefillin, on Mezuzah, on Shabbat, on Kashrut, this is the obligation of your heart, your neshama, your mind, your soul, which is included in the treasure test that our chachamim agadot, and like I said last week that you're going to find many parallels and ideas between this essay that we're reading today and the essays of Rabbi Uziel that we studied last week. Our Chachamim encourage the Torah learners of every generation to further embellish and further explain, further elaborate on the writings, these pure and holy teachings of the Chachamim and Agadah. And it requires not just great effort, but diligent effort. You can't just focus a little bit and go away and come back another time. and go. It requires methodical study. And in order for us to be able to execute this properly, to reach the goal of what Agadah was meant to teach us, It cannot be a situation in which we don't practice what we preach, where this Agadah is some theoretical study that we delve in sometimes. אשר We must study the agada with the same intensity and the same seriousness with which we study So we will not reach this inevitable place which we are in today which only those who are of inferior intellect will be those who study Agadah. Those who don't have a head to study real Gemara. Those who don't have a study, study real Halacha. So they study all the nice things about the Torah. Also to these areas should flock the leaders of the Jewish people, the brave-hearted ones. To strengthen and to glorify the Torah of Agadah. And to expand the discipline of musar and duties of the heart, in order to, by understanding Tanakh first properly, most of these agadot are embellishments, are explanations, they're built onto verses of Tanakh, so to understand Tanakh well, and to understand the agadot that Chachamim taught us on those Pesukim and Tanakh, with depth, with intellectual depth. In the Gemara, it says that first a person must be gores. First a person must learn, and then to explain, then to expound. Sometimes there are mistakes that people make by not having a broader context of Torah. They know this limited area, and this limited area, they make mistakes because they don't know everything else. klal gadol lanu This is a great rule for us a principle for us in everything that we study and everyone who holds on to this rule of first understanding things properly and then explaining them then truly elaborating and expounding on them has only seen blessing in their study of halacha it's it's, a must that this should be the attitude that people have when they study agada as well with proper emuna and their understandings of Hashem. we can have no hope that new good books, not just mediocre books, proper, high class books of Agadah will be published, We cannot expect for high quality Torah literature to be written, to be printed, to be published by the Chachamim of our generation if we neglect the study of Agadah, of Musar, of Emunot and Deot, the way we are neglecting it today. You cannot expect for beautiful works that are relevant to our generation to be published by those who are ignorant of the bigger picture of the Torah that most people don't study in the first place. Those of you who are familiar with Rav Kook's writings know that this is a goal of his throughout his writings to bring the context of Torah back to where it comes from. You know, if I mentioned before the Tanya, it's an interesting thing that the um, I once had a debate with somebody who considered himself a chassid of Chabad, and I asked him if he reads any books aside from the books of Chabad. I said, no. I don't, I don't have time for it. I said, but look at your Rebbe. Your Rebbe, look in his footnotes. He quotes from thousands of different sources. They're not all Chabad. Why can't you be like your Rebbe? It's interesting that there's a theory in the world of Torah. The Lubavitch Rebbe studied from a rabbi by the name of the Tzafnat Panech, or known as the Rugged Shover Gaon. I believe his real name was Rav Yosef Rosen. I believe so. And the Chaver Gaon had this desire to connect the context with individual details and individual details with a greater context. You find the same method burning in the writings of Lubavitcher. Rabbi. For example, if you were to look in his books on Prakhe Avot, you'll find that his approach in understanding the Mishnah and in Avot is to try to bring about the greater context of who said this Mishnah. It's important to understand their life before you understand their teachings, which in other circles might be considered a, a foreign way to study Avot. Rav Kook has the same desire. If I could say it in modern words, how do you connect the grand idea, which is Shabbat, the day of rest, the day of, cre- of, of, of break from creation, of refreshing the world, of emunah kadosh How do we connect that grand idea to you can't make tea in hot water on Shabbat unless you pour it in another cup first. How do you connect that with, you can't uh, write uh, on Shabbat? How do you connect that with, uh, you know, if you have a, a little piece of skin hanging up, you can't plug it, whatever halakha might come out. How do you connect this great idea with this narrow detail? Rav says, well, you can't expect to understand the great ideas of Torah if you only focus on the details. And in other places, Rav Kook actually suggests that the reason why people leave observance of Torah is precisely because everyone is so caught up in studying technical details that nobody actually understands why they're doing anything they're doing. and it's not an uncommon occurrence. Lirot anashim, to people, that these people are giants in every area of Torah, in every area of halakha but they know nothing of what the womb of Israel has given birth to, of what the heart of Israel has given birth to. In regards to all the numerous details of midot, of proper character traits, the musar and ethics, those are the foundations of the Torah. They know everything except for the Torah itself and if one of these people so generously takes from his time to study Musar the way that these people study Musar is uh, randomly a little bit here a little bit there a little book in Musa normally to fix some kind of character trait they're struggling with they speak too much of shonara, they the they're too angry they said a the book about anger but only for today only for this week think about it when I was in Yeshiva before I went to Abba Pirat so the study of Talmud happens from 9 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock in the afternoon 9 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock in the afternoon and again you study Talmud from 2.30 in the afternoon 3 o'clock in the afternoon till 6.30 in the afternoon and then again you study Talmud. From 8 o'clock at night till 10 o'clock at night. And when do you study Halakha? From 9 o'clock in the morning to 9.25. And when do you study Musa? Uh, Musa from 2.45 till 3 o'clock. or three o five fight when they start learning Gemara again. So the whole day you're learning Gemara. When do you study Halakha? 25 minutes a day. If you come on time. If you come 15 minutes late, you study 10 minutes a day. I know a thing or two about coming 15 minutes late. And if you are late after your lunch or Minchah, and musal, you miss the whole thing entirely. And when you study chumash, in Shabbat morning, when the Baal Koreh reads the Qiyat the Torah, you, you read along with him. By that term, Baal Koreh, I use it because that's what English speakers use, but there really is no such term in Hebrew, a Baal Koreh. Maybe a Baal Kiriyah, but a Baal Koreh is an incorrect. Usage of Hebrew language. But I can't fix all the problems in the world tonight. I will have Torah, but the Torah itself. which is broad and deep. It's not just deep, it's broad, it encompasses many things. And it is imp- impossible that it will be understood in a sophisticated fashion unless you first have tremendous knowledge in all the other precious works which are our inheritance from the giants of previous generations all of those topics that were written about by previous Chachamim we don't study and all the other things that come out of those books this book, is an allusion to a text, this book is like a stone that has no one to come turn it over. No one looks underneath that rock. Nobody studies that part of Torah. And those who study don't study it seriously. They don't study it systematically. They don't study it in its context, the way it should be studied. And this minhag is not talking about a halachic minhag. The way of, of rote, of routine, is so strong. Even on individuals, those individuals that are capable of this. That if somebody will wake up and say, I want to take from my time a serious chunk of time to study Musar, to study Agadah, his heart will make him feel like maybe I'm wasting time of Torah, maybe I should be studying real Torah. What am I wasting my time studying this kind of Torah? This is not true. It's not righteous to think this way. It's incorrect. The duties of the heart, the obligations of your heart and your neshama, are also a part of the complete and wholesome Torah that we have. It is true, says Rav Kook, that if people remember the Rambam talking about those preachers who interpret the teachings of Chazal and Agadah? they interpret them very uh, superficially. They don't interpret them properly, they don't interpret them with the depth that they require, the nuance they require. If they just, based on their emotion and their imagination, interpret these texts, even if they bring about good, they bring about good behavior, good maasim, they'll fix your character traits, they'll even fix the way you observe to it will be impossible for us to consider that imaginary study to be considered Torah. We can say maybe that this study, this well intended but non incorrect study, maybe it counts as tefillah, maybe it counts as him trying to uh, pray a little to akadush baru, teshuvah, but Torah it can't count. But once we come to learn agada and deot, which are they're intertwined with each other, kasher asura buteno rishonim. Like our predecessors did, Chachmei Hamidrash, Mechazal, their Chachamim of the Midrash among the rabbis of Chazal, Vageonim, Rambam, and Vechol Chachmei Hamusar, and Chachmea Kabbalah. And all of the Chachamim of Musar and of Kabbalah, you should know here that Rav Kook is going to talk about the difference in approach to Agadah between the Kabbalists and the philosophers. We're not there yet. We might not even get there today. Everyone made the, the deep part of the Torah their main study In this deep area of study of Agadot You see that the Chachamim like the Rambam, like Rav the They spend time studying these things the rabbis of the Agadah, well, they just uh, were sitting around doing nothing, so they wrote Agadah. They didn't have time to teach Halakha. They clearly considered this to be important. From that, we can tell how important it is. The Torah of Agada has the ability to repair the broken parts of Am Yisrael and to fix those breaches in the walls of our faith. Rav is alluding to something that Rav spoke about before, and Rav will speak about it soon. Rav is saying that Agadah has the power to explain Judaism to a generation that is struggling with it. Has power to explain the reason why someone should observe halakha in the first place to those who are attacking it. And we have decided in this generation of unprecedented rebellion against Torah and Mitzvot to neglect the only part of Torah which has the answers to fix the breaches and the walls of our people's faith. In order to understand Agada properly, one must have a broad understanding of Agadah in general. <laughs> because when you study Halakha, for example, you cannot properly understand Halakha, unless you also know the Shas, the Talmud, and the Puskim. You have to be able to split. You know, Rabbi Meir, he says this because this is the way Rabbi Meir writes Rabbi Akiva says this because this is consistent to the Ben of Rabbi Akiva and it's not two names it's two schools of thought you can only understand their teachings if you understand the context which is the Talmud and the Halacha that surrounds the conversation you're dealing with now you have to get used to thinking deeply in matters and know how to think straight there are some people who don't think in a straight way and because of that, everything that they touch is crooked. Every Torah they touch, they come out with some fantasy. It sounds beautiful, but it's not true. By the way, sometimes, you know, I, I used to be frustrated in, in the days where, still, uh, not in my B'am Midrash, when I go other places, I want to ask a question in Halakha, I want to ask a question in Torah. What do people do? They hear a question. The first thing they do is they jump to answer the question. I say, I say Dai, did you understand the question? Because this question is better than the answer is gonna be. You have to first appreciate the question. Unless you can convince me there's a crisis, it's not worth answering this question. Most people are so focused on trying to answer things, they'll throw a hundred answers, whatever will stop. It's gonna look like they have a leak in their pipe, whether they'll stick a toothpaste on it, they're gonna stick a duct tape on it, they're gonna say, slow down. You have to figure out what's the problem, where's the problem coming from? You wanna fix something, you have to understand the problem first little band-aids are not going to help. Most people make this mistake in Torah as well. And because they're not trained to think properly in the realm of Halacha, you can't expect that they're going to know how to think properly in the realm of agadah. In order to understand agadah properly, a person must be thoroughly educated. In the writings of Musar and Agadah and Deot and Emunot of all of the Chachamim of the generations. And every person who will with an honest heart, with genuinity, take time to dedicate, properly dedicate, like from the word muqtse. Dedicate time to study Musar properly. Shasfarim Hamirubim Shaba and you'll begin to realize that all of those books of Musar and Midot and Emunot are all the true commentaries on the writings of Agadah. And it will all gather together in the heart of that person who wishes to understand this discipline in the Torah. The result of such dedicated study to Agadah will yield beautiful results, which is literally something that we must do to save the Torah in this generation. We see something fascinating. I want to tell you the truth. I almost feel like in the last few years we've missed this wave that Rufkuk is talking about here. I'm reminded of a letter of Rabbi Uda Leib Fishman Maimon, one of my favorite rabbis of the last generation. As an author, an unbelievable author. He, he writes, and you feel. Uh, you feel. I guess that's what you feel when you read his writings. I've read to you some pieces of his. I read my in his book, Chidusha Sanhedrin, I think it's the title, The Renewal of the Sanhedrin and Our Renewed Jewish State. He has a paragraph there where he says how he misses, he misses the the weight, the value that people used to have for the written word. People used to appreciate things that were written before there were newspapers and magazines, and today, internet. Someone who wrote and published, that word must be very important. You, you didn't reckon with someone who published books. You can argue, but this person you knew, if they were good enough to publish a book, they were good enough for you to take their idea seriously first. says, Maimon, I feel like I'm in a world where every day they read a newspaper and it goes in the trash the next day. You live in a world where the written word has no value. But Rav is living before that time, so let's live in his time. We see, we see that the reading of books Remember that Rav generation is rebelling intelligently. They're not rebelling to go live in the street to go do. They're rebelling to become socialists, to become communists, to become Zionists, to become everybody was on some kind of movement. They were reading books, uh, works of literature. They were people were studying in universities. It was a, it was a time. Of, I'm not telling you it was a great time. But it was a time where what interested people was some unprecedented level of sophistication. You had families. I have a Talmud. A Talmud who told me that when he grew up in his house, he's two and a half times my age. So when he grew up in his house, his parents owned two books. The Bible and an almanac. You know, uh, that's what they had. Nothing else. There was nothing in the whole house that had writing on it. He said, today, look at me, I have a whole library of books. That's what he told me. You see that in one generation, appreciation of written word, of intellectual thoughts, it happened. could be that we're seeing the demise of that. I'm not, I'm not here to be a, a doomsday prophet. There's so many people who learn Torah because they want to broaden their mind. They want to acquire knowledge. Aside from the knowledge that you gain because you toil hard in your study, when you review your study, review and, and enunciating things properly more than what they just read. They also want to be able to see depth and to be able to read ideas easily. Ever since books began being printed, and there are many books today in the market, more and more people are reading. And we cannot complain that this level of study, of interest in the written word, is a bad thing for the Torah. How many of our young people who are Baalei Kisharon, they're talented, they're gifted people. (laughs) They've read the books in Halakha. Not just through a superficial reading. There are people who truly wish to understand the principles of Halakha. And they've enriched their knowledge of Halakha sufficiently have Hashem a generation of Jews who are educated look at you look at you of Jews who are not willing just to do but want to know more he said but what can they do how much can you read the Shulchan Aruch how much can you study the Gemara how much Rambam can you read in the Mishnah Torah before you want to read other things, you want other ideas, other places for your mind to go bathe and to, to pasture in. And they end up reading books that come from outside of the world. This reading, that draws the heart to it. When you read a novel, when you read a, a book that's just a fantasy book, it requires no previous knowledge. It requires no skill set aside from knowing how to read and having an imagination. But that, that might be hard for some people. But that is our competition. And I don't think you have to get stuck in Rav Cook's world of uh, de- deep words that are written versus uh, easier, lighter reading. You live in a world where not everyone is willing to dedicate their whole life to sit in the bed midrash, so that five years down the road, ten years down the road, they might be able to start seeing the light. They're used to opening up a book. They go to, I don't know what the bookstores are anymore. I don't shop in America on bookstores. They go to Barnes and Nobles. They go to Amazon. They go wherever they go and they take out this book from the self-help section, this book from the fiction section, this book from the non-fiction section, this book from... And they read, and they understand, and they enjoy, and they move on to the next book. And then he throw at them Masechet Eruvin. I don't know what he them. Masechet Bava Kama. He said, what do you want me to do with this? These are people who learn Torah. I mean, they have the skill set. But right now I'm laying in bed. What do you want me to do laying in bed? Now when I'm laying in bed, I should be learning the Bed Yosef, the argument between the Kolbo, and that's what you want me to do now. We haven't given our youth books that they can read and they're forced to go find other sources of literature to fill their minds. I'm sitting here reading the introduction which is a criticism of what we don't study and I'm saying why don't we study this at least? Rav is already years ahead of his game. These are real problems we're struggling with today. I'll say something now that I shouldn't say. I'll say it anyways. My kids are home. You know, they're on Zoom class here, Dojo class over there, all these apps they have to use for school. They want to watch something on YouTube. They want to see something. For the 5 or 6 or 15 or 20 videos that are Jewish and educational that there are on YouTube, how many of those even fit the the professional production that they're competing with and the other stuff on TV when you see a Jewish film online how does it compare to that which is made in Hollywood when you go on Amazon Prime or Netflix or any other app that you watch to, and you say how does this compare with this what do my kids have to watch theater books music Listen to Jewish music one day in your life. I am not a musician. The world of Jewish music has improved drastically since I was a child. I'm not that old. How much trumpet and clarinet with with bad bass and electric drums can you hear in the background with little children screeching voices before someone says, I have to go look for music somewhere else. Baruch Hashem, today you're seeing a different world. There may be a whole new world of Jewish music with different flavors that Rav Kook is complaining. How do you complain that people go do things somewhere else when you are not providing them with the content? If I'm anyways ranting, I might as well continue. This movement they call the Baal Teshuvah movement. I hate this term. But that's what they call it, self titled. One of the most evil things that has happened to Islam. In a good way, they are good. There's good in everything. In every phenomenon, there's good. Good that Jews came back home. But the end doesn't justify the means. When I was living in Yerushalayim, I was offered to teach in an organization that I thought was a big, a big deal and I came for an interview they wanted me to start a whole new department a Sephardic department and very quickly the things that I saw there they terrified me you take kids who come to Israel they're 18 years old they're 20 years old they were in college they were in university they were studying to be something they finished university they have a job they came to Israel on a birthright trip whatever they came They come now to Israel. You snatch them off the street, off their program. You force them to believe the Torah is real, that Hashem is real, that the Mitzvot they have to keep. You alienate them from their families. You change their name that their mother doesn't even know their name anymore. That's a Jewish name. I'm all for Jewish names. Even when they go back to their parents, they can't eat with them, they can't drink with them, they can't do Shema with them. Forget what it does in the level of Chilu Hashem to the families. What does it do to a person who now became an orphan and their parents are still alive? Rash decisions that are made without foresight, without thought into human psychology. You took away a person's career, their ability to make money. They all have to dress the same way. They all have to eat the same way. They have to observe the same way. They have to send their kids to the same schools. They didn't finish their college degree. They went, they left their job All of that talent you took and you shoved it into some narrow box. Who are these people? Doctors, scientists, engineers, movie producers, poets, musicians. But that narrow world that snatched them off the Jewish street doesn't have room in it for those colors. And not only do you crush those souls, crush, I have no word, crush those souls, I'm not talking about the social evils, the, the not marrying people and not their children and not the schools. I'm not talking about any of that that evil in the world. It's not enough to crush that talent. At the very least, when you bring people from the outside into your camp, the greatest gift that they bring to you is a fresh perspective. They see your world in a way that you'll never see it. Imagine if all those movie producers and then all those engineers and all those professionals, all those artists, they all became part of a world of Torah Mitzvot and they brought those talents here. Then in Yerushalayim you'd have a Jewish Hollywood real, teaching Torah Mitzvot. But in that level, with that sophistication, with that professionalism, you'd have literature falling off the shelves of books that kids could read without having to be exposed to the nonsense of the world. But who made this problem? Who made The secular world is not responsible for all of your misdoings. We are not giving anyone a choice. We have no color in this rainbow that is black and white. Rafkouk is begging of a generation that he sees questioning. The chachamim of the generation have to lead the people to a place where they will find all of their answers in the fields, in the orchard of Akadosh Hu. And if we won't, well, we're going to finish reading. And because the giants of Israel who involve themselves in this type of study are far and few in between, which is so broad and has so many subcategories, because there are so few chachamim, there are also so few works of literature. Hay Khalim Hikarot be often kal, which can be read easily. Shikhut Leva Koream that will capture the heart of the readers. She tumide Khuchma Torah a Miti Mire Hashem Vachvashemol That those who read these books will come out, fears of Hashem, knowers of his name. Where are the books that, in an easy way, can instill love of Hashem, proper character traits into people? And instead, this type of writing has been taken over by authors. Most of these authors who give evil in return for good intentions. Authors who in their words they ruin people's minds and they ruin people's actions. We've left a void and those who came to fill that void are filling the hearts and minds and souls of our people with things that are not just not from our Holy Torah but that cause true damage to our children and in our regard, there's no one who calls out to righteousness. Nobody awakens themselves to carry the flag of the name of Hashem. To write books that people will want to read. They'll be filled with the knowledge of Torah and the fear of Hashem. And this generation, Goes and as it progresses, it deteriorates. The and who caused all this? Because our Chachamim have chosen not to pay attention to the part of Torah which can bring out this good. When we have Chachamim who will study this Torah, they will be able to put out this kind of work to the world. These kind of teachings, which are accessible, which are relevant, and which will capture people's hearts. And now says Rav Kook, you understand what that inner drive what the motivation of our chachamim who did write about Agada, who did write about Musar? Why did they do it? Precisely because they wished to create such a world. They they scream that people should wake up and pay attention to this part of Torah. The expansion of the duties of the heart. The rabbis of the Musar who were rational, who were logical, went in their way. And the Chachamim of Kabbalah and of the secrets of the Torah, they went in their road, I'm not here to deal with that. But there were many different approaches, not one size fits all, but they all intended to accomplish the same thing, to bring the people to a good place through the Torah. Because if these Chachamim were truly understanding of the text, it would bring about Easy explanation and elucidation. We would have a multitude of books that cause people to love the Torah. Good action. All of Hashem and love of Hashem and every good character trait. We would have so many books that would be presented to the Jewish people. That would come out to light is that if we would have Chachamim that were so full of Torah, then even the lighter things they wrote, the more basic works that they wrote, would be so accessible to people, but they would be so full to the brim of high quality Torah ideas, we could have changed the Jewish people. Allow me to just finish this piece with you, please. I don't want to end here. Torah Torah brings about all good. Gadol talmud shemevidei dey maaseh. The Gemara in Kiddushin says, "How great is Torah when it leads to action?" Dafka talmud shemevidei dey maaseh. Talmud that brings to action. Talmud shahu shinun v'achava yuchalavidei dey maaseh v'lo yidiakel avish dikhichitrid. Only true intense. Thought thoughtful Torah study will bring to action. Not superficial reading of Torah. If we study the good midot and proper beliefs and all of that special treasure which is included the ethical teachings of the Torah only when it unites with the halachic side of the Torah then the whole house of Israel will be full of light. It can bring about this goal, of purifying people's faith and straightening out people's hearts. And just know that term that he just said. The unification of Agadah and Halakha. We have a whole essay of Rebbe Uzier dedicated to the topic. We'll get there. If we increase the study, this part of the study of Torah, it people's character traits will be fixed. And pure will be the basis of the world. The light that we cast on the writings of our rabbis and Agada, lev will in turn reflect light on all of the hearts that look at Agadah. And this phenomena, listen to what Rav Kook says, this phenomena that we have, where you have Talmidei Chachamim, who are not good people, who their outside does not match their inside. People ask me this question all the time. How can this be a Talmidei Chacham and do X, Y, and Z? Listen to what Rav Kook says. This phenomenon of Tamideh Chachamim that despite their knowledge of Torah, their actions, their character traits are crooked, are, are rotten. Until their actions, their existence of these Chachamim brings about Chilul Hashem, desecration of Hashem's name, a desecration of Am Yisrael, and a desecration of the Torah. They embarrass our Torah. Be often of in a terrifying fashion. This phenomena of evil Tamidech will go and dwindle and disappear, says Rav Kook. Because if we demanded from Tamidech not just to superficially study Torah, and not even to superficially study Agada Musar, but that should be a discipline as well. That just like you study the laws of meat and milk. You have to study the laws of truth, of of being a good person, of kibbut avaim, of respecting your wife or your husband, of raising children, of treating non-Jews in the street, of being a good human being. That is what's going to fix the illness of people who learn Torah but are evil people. And if we can make this Torah greater and glorify it, we would be able to reach a place where the leaders of the Jewish people would be wise of the heart. Not just wise of the head, wise of Torah. Who will know how to answer our enemies in the gates. And they will have the courage and strength to explain all of the details of emunah. And they will have an answer for all those who come to attack the Jewish people, whether with old arguments or new ones. And these people devour our nation at the side from every direction. And we who believe in Hashem suffer tremendously because we have no chachamim to stand up for Am Israel. And the last paragraph of Rav Kook for tonight. L'fi ha-karati ha Based on my inferior recognition. ediyati and from my limited knowledge Ben Behalacha, Ben Behagadah Whether it's in Halacha or in Agadah Says Rav Kook, I don't know so much. Humility. I believe with a genuine belief, with a true heart. That the way of explaining Agada to explain the words of Chachamim the way we can to the level that we can, that we'll be able to show Musar and Agada in all of its glory. Will be the way to awaken our sages to involve themselves in this study. Which was always the the yearning and the desire of the giants of all our previous generations. We don't have to go look in far places for the answer to our problems. These are explicit teachings. Every straight mind can see this. That only through knowledge of Hashem, the knowledge of Hashem which comes about from the study of Agada, knowledge of Hashem the knowledge of Hashem which comes about from the study of You want to make the Torah great? You want to make the people proud of Torah? You want to make people flock to the Torah? Make the part of Torah which is relevant great. (laughs) The Prophet Yirmiah who says, Hashem says, Those who study Torah do not know me. The Prophet Yishayahu says, My nation has been exiled without any knowledge. 25. Hosea says, you have been repulsed by true knowledge. You don't like it. This rejection of true wisdom are already written in our Tanakh. You don't have to read them any other way than the way they were intended. The elaborations of these teachings. What is that? What is chokmah? What is wisdom? What is good character? Rights? What is munana Hashem? Has already been expounded on by our rabbis, the which called out with a great voice that we should study this part of Torah. Which is the part of Agadot in the Torah, and it's only on condition that you have the proper tools, the proper broad understanding of Torah in the beginning. if only we study Agadah with the same skill sets with the same intensity with the same rigor and dedication in which we study Halakha the the change that we could promote in Am Yisrael in the world at large will be unprecedented for tonight I have to stop here but we're not done with the Rav Kuk, we'll return to this Hagdama next week, Hashem. next week of Shavuot, so probably the week afterwards. But all I can say is, the belief of Rav Kuk, of Rav Uziyam, in the future, we're going to be reading Rav Chaim David HaLevi, is that this long-neglected discipline of Torah study has in it the key to fixing all of the problems inside of our camp and outside of our camp, in those Jews that are committed and involved, and those Jews that have left, because they saw no reason to be committed and involved. And how long will we continue to neglect this study? We'll continue to make this study, even those who do study it, to make it secondary. When we'll be ready to throw ourselves into the ocean of the Talmud, which is Agadah, which is Musa, which is Emunot, which is Deot, which is the writings of the Tammud, of the Chachamim, of the Bale Agada, of the Rambam, of Rabbeinu Sadia of all of the philosophers, all of the Makubalim, all of the giants of all the generations, to take from them what is relevant for the generations. How long will it be before we do that? And when will we begin giving content back to the Jewish people, where Jews could say, wow, for the first time in so long, these teachings seem relevant to me. And what I... I think tonight you might realize why it is that we're studying what we're studying here in Abed HaMidrash, which we have dedicated to this belief of making relevant, life-changing Torah be accessible at the highest quality possible. You are our partners in doing that. Every one of you learning with us here, whether you're with me live or not, you are part of this belief that we can restore the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of the people of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by delving properly into the text that the Chachamim, the servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to us. Pesad Hashem, I'm looking forward to continuing this journey with you next week.